Welcome to Uptown. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. We're here to empower, encourage, and uplift you on your journeys. We invite you to join us. We have Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 p.m., Sunday service at 11 a.m., and you can watch us online. Glad you're here. Let's begin today's message. This morning, I would like to um, talk about and bring forth a word that that will help encourage us to move forward. Because there's so many things that are happening in our lives today. I'm probably like most of you, you know, I see what's going on in the world and I just shake my head. And, 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 and when I mean shake my head, it just hurts. I see 17-year-old young men dying in the streets. 17 years old, dying in the streets. That hurts. I see young women getting gunned down and dying in the streets. These are the type of things that the church is for, that we're supposed to be standing in the gap for these things and not arguing and bickering over pettiness. The world holds no prisoners. It's only two things that the world can bring. And that's death or life in prison. There's nothing else. I'm not standing up here because I'm a, I'm a pastor and I've never experienced anything. If anybody knows my life and my story and my history, I've experienced a lot. But I've overcame a lot because of the word of God. People learn to hate each other for no reason. They, they, they have no understanding why they don't like someone. But Jesus came to give us a greater power than hate, which is love. And I know it may sound like a cliche, and I understand some people may say to themselves, but why do I need to go to church and the church looks like the world? Oh, that hurts my heart. Because the church is not supposed to look like the world. The church is supposed to look like the image of Christ Jesus. The issues of the world are infiltrating and, and coming into the church. And the church starts looking like the world. And we wonder why people say today, like, what I don't need to go to church for. The church has gotten so far off course of what I became a minister of the gospel for. I became a minister of the gospel for because I wanted to bring people into the love of Christ Jesus. I don't have all the answers. 
But I want to share with you this morning who has the answers. I want to share with you this morning why, why I come into the church on Wednesday night. Why I go to Sunday school. Why I, I studied and to become a minister of the gospel. I want to share with you this morning why I come into the house of the Lord. I come into the house of the Lord to get my answers, to hear the word of God, to hear the word of God in truth and in grace. I stand here before you this morning because God has a calling upon my life and he has a calling upon your life also. But what we have to do is step up to the calling and, and not allow the hindrance of the world to hold us down. My text this morning is going to come out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And I use these 18 verses in Philippians because I want to make a point. I want to make a point of, of what... Paul was going through and what the church was going through and how the church was coming together and how the church lost its way. But I also want to use a, an excerpt out of Matthew chapter 13, verse 36. And, 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 and this kind of makes my point of why we come into the sanctuary on Sunday morning. Because COVID is going to be gone away here. We, we're going to have to learn how to come back together and conjugate. We're going to have to learn how to come back together in fellowship, in love. We're going to have to learn how to come back as a family. We're going to have to learn how to put our differences to the side and, and understand that only thing that Jesus wanted us to do was come together so we can advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 13, verse 36 reads as this. And then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. That right there when I was reading and, and I was praying about this text, that God was showing me something, that, that Jesus went into the house. And then the next part, and his disciples came with him, saying to us, explain to us the parables of the terrors of the field. And I'm not going to get off into the tears of the field. Like I said, I'm going to go into Philippians chapter 1. Because I believe this morning Philippians chapter 1 are the tears of the field. The point I want to make in this particular text is that people were searching. They were, they were looking for answers and they wanted things to be explained to them. But Jesus did something he sent away the distraction and he brought them into the house 
or into the church or into the sanctuary, away from the distractions so he could explain to them and give them the answer. The word of God is the answer. If I had to put a, a title on this text, I would call it Jesus went into the house. I want to read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. If you have your Bibles, would you please follow along with me? Again, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you, for, for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of, in the, of me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all affection of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Verse 11, and being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 13, so that, so, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident of my chains, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18. What then? Only that every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and, it, and, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I rejoice. Amen. Thank you for the reading of the word. Now, let me sit down here. I got my stool this morning also. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. I want you to, I want you to see why Paul is writing this letter. 
I want you to understand the circumstances of this letter. How amazing and inspiring it is to witness Christians in the face of pressure and problems and persecutions with grace and dignity and patience and joy. Paul is encouraging, encouraging to draw on the strength of the Lord and look at their problems through love, through the love of Christ Jesus and rejoice in the Lord. Paul understands that the congregation in Philippi is facing challenges. Within and out, there is pressure and persecution. A competitive, a, a competitive self-seeking atmosphere has poisoned their relationships and their fellowship. Disagreements and petty bickerings troubled their fellowship. Doesn't this sound like the church today? Doesn't this sound like what we're going through today? Petty bickering and, 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 and just going, talking about things that have no prevalence in the, in the kingdom of God. Bickering about who, who should be here and who should be there. And, but that's not why we all came into the presence of Christ Jesus. We came into the presence of Christ Jesus to elevate and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about his own hardships and his circumstances in prison to encourage them so they can get their perspective back. Paul wants the church to understand that Jesus' example is what leadership looks like. It's what a servant looks like. Paul does not want the progress of the gospel to be hindered by attitudes of a few professing Christians in Philippi. I'm going to say that again. Paul does not want the progress of the gospel to be hindered by the attitudes of a few professing Christians in Philippi. Sounds like, sounds like the church today, doesn't it? That God doesn't want, because someone over here has said something out of the way, out of context, that is hindering the gospel over here that is being preached out of love, grace, and truth. Now, look at the way Paul addresses them in verse 1. He greets them in a manner of saints. See, in the manner of saints, and to associate them with Jesus, Paul identifies Timothy and himself as servants of Jesus Christ, giving them the mindset of leadership. And he brings this mindset throughout this letter. I want us to take note. Go, look in your Bibles. I want you to take note that Paul does not use his apostleship as he does in other letters. He is not stressing his authority. He is appealing to, the, to, he's appealing to Philippi 
as a mutual friend. Sometimes we have to understand, like, I don't walk around saying, hi, I'm Pastor Greg, and, and I'm senior pastor of Uptown Church. I don't do that. I don't believe I have to. I believe that, that once I meet an individual and we start talking and we, and we befriend each other, and, 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 and I don't have to tell them that I'm a senior pastor. I don't have to tell them that I'm a minister of the gospel. My, my life or my conversation or, or, or my affection for them should show them that there's a difference between me and the world. There's a lot of people that, that I didn't know you were a pastor because I'm not out there boasting about I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of the minister of the gospel. I'm a pastor because I'm a minister of the gospel. I want to make sure that the, the gospel gets forth. I don't have to tell people. People should already know who you are by your conversation. Verse 2. I want you to pay attention to this. The two blessings are found here. He says grace and peace. I need some water, excuse me. He says grace and peace. I want you to understand this. Grace and peace. Jesus came in grace and peace. And Paul is emphasizing this. In, in, in the Gospel of John, the Bible says that he came in, he came in truth and grace. Paul is thanking them for their help in the ministry. I wanna, I wanna, if you got your Bibles, please go to Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 40. I'm going to kind of walk us, walk us through it. But if you got your Bible, you can read it, and, and you can kind of follow where I'm coming from. Paul had preached to them 10 years before this letter was written. Paul is thinking back when he met the, and found the women praying down by the river. When the Lord opened the heart of Lydia. When the slave girl and he cast out the demon. When the jailer, I really like this part, the jailer got saved in his whole family. Why did the jailer get saved in his whole family? Because Paul was advancing the gospel. He is asking them, what happened? He's asking the church in Philippi 10 years later, what happened? I left you in good shape. Sometimes we have to think about what happened to us? When we first came into Christ Jesus, we had such a zeal and zest. And, and the only thing we wanted to do was witness. We didn't care where we witnessed that, who, was, who we were witnessing to. We could be in the middle of Walmart and talk about, do you know Jesus? Now, all of a sudden, something is not taking place in our lives. In verse 6, He's expressing confidence in what God is doing. That their confidence should be in Jesus only. I'm going to say that again. That our confidence 
as Christians, as followers of Christ Jesus, should be in Jesus only, not in what we hear on Fox News or not what we hear on CNN or MSNBC. But our confidence should be in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 reads like this. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in the mirror of glory of the Lord and being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This reminds us of the awesome ability to keep, for God to keep, and for, for God to keep transforming us from one place to another. I want us to think about Moses for a minute. Remember when Moses went up to the mountain? He went up to the mountain one way. But when he came back down, he came back down in glory. Moses came back down and the Bible says that he had such a, a glow upon him that he had to cover his face. See, I want us to think about that again. I want us to think about that we need to get back to where we used to be, that we have such a glow on our face that when, when people uh, 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 come in contact with us and when they leave us, they know that they've been in the presence of God. Paul is, in verses 7, seven and 8, Paul is stressing that we need to let people know how much we care and love them. See, read it. Paul, Paul is, stress, is, 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 is stressing his affection for them. He is, he is telling us that we need to let people know, hey, I care for you. I know you're going through a problem. I know something is going on over here. I, I got an ear. But Sometimes what, what ends up happening, we get stuck in our own lives and, and we're just ripping and running and we don't have time for other people. And we wonder why they don't call us anymore. And we wonder why they isolate themselves. It's because the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't being advanced like it's supposed to be. He made mention that they were all in his heart, all the time, in all circumstances. Why was the question? Because they were partakers with him in the gospel, drawing on God's grace. See, you know, in in the army, in the army, we can't leave nobody behind. You know, the Marines, they got that, they got that saying, leave no man behind. And, 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 and we need that same saying right here in the church, that we're not going to leave no man, no woman, nor child behind. Because we are here as a church family to administer love 
I know, like I said, I know it sounds like an old cliche, but it's true because the Bible says that God is love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 through 26, it makes my point. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Verse 22, no, much rather those of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Verse 23, and those members of the body which think to be less honorable, on these bestow greater honor. On our unpresentable parts with great modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That, 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 that there should be no criticism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. I'm going to say that again, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Amen? I want us to think about that particular passage for a second. Because I know that when I stub my toe, every part of my body is, is reacting to because my toe got stubbed. I'm hopping, and, 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 and my toe is, is thobbing, and, and I'm looking around, and, oh, it just hurts. Or, well, my back hurts. Then I'm compensating because my back hurts, and, and then my leg starts hurting a little bit. But the body needs every function of it to function properly. Paul truly meant what he said, I long for you all with affection of Jesus Christ. This term literally means a deep love or a deep interlove, a feeling that we have when we are moved by tears. I want to share something with you if I can. And, and I'm going to read something out of my Bible. If, out of John chapter 17. And, and I, want to, I want to read this because when Paul is talking about this great affection or this great love, I want us to hear what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was, was talking about. I'm going to, out the Gospel of John, and I'm going to just read a few verses out of the Gospel of John, chapter 17, and I'm going to start at verse 9. And the Bible reads, and, and this is Jesus speaking, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given me, that they are, that they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am and I glorify in them, 
Verse 11, and now no longer, now I am no longer in the world, and these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep them, your name, those who you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 12, and I was with them in the world, and I have kept them in your name, and those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13, but now I come to you in these things I speak in the world that they may be, that, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, in other words, separate them by your truth. And your word is the truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Verse 20, I do not pray for, for these alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Amen. I wanted to read that because how Paul has this great affection for them. I wanted to show us that, that Jesus was praying for us even before we even accepted him as our Lord and Savior. I, was, I wanted to, to show how, how Jesus was advancing the gospel even before he even went to the cross. In Philippians, back to Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, Paul is praying fervently for their spiritual well-being. He is praying for the fellow Christians to continue. He is praying for fellow Christians. He is not praying without a purpose. And that's, that's something that we have to understand as, as Christians or followers of Christ Jesus that we have to pray for a purpose. He is praying to increase their lives, both physically and together. That their love for each other and in the Lord. This is the heart of his prayer. Is that he wants the church in Philippi to come back together as one. In love. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, the Bible reads like this. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is alike. That you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Paul prayed 
their love would grow in knowledge and in depth. That's something, is that when we pray for each other, let's start praying that, our, that, 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 that we grow in knowledge, that we grow in love, that we grow in insight. The word knowledge here means a deep personal knowledge of the Lord and a firm conviction that he would, that, that, that would help guide their own personal relationship with each other. See, Paul understood that, that the church right now was going through a phase and that they needed to get to back with each other. And the only way they were able to get back with each other is through the love of Christ Jesus. It's to remember where they were in the beginning. Remember I said 10 years ago, Paul was in, in Philippi and he was preaching and teaching and, and he was and he seen Lydia, and she changed her heart, and the women were praying down by the river, and, 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 and he changed the life of the, of the young girl who was doing the fortune-telling. This will help guide our personal relationships with each other. Depths of insight, a, a moral and spiritual perception. Being spiritually wise and discerning. The outcome Paul is looking for through this prayer is simply this, that they will be able to discern what is best, not simply good. I'm going to say that again, to, to be able to discern what is best and not simply good, that they might be morally and spiritually prepared for the Lord's return. In other words, that, that, that no matter what circumstance I'm in, that I'm standing on the foundation of Christ Jesus. That they will live a life full of fruit in righteousness. Say that again, that they would live a life full of fruit in righteousness. The most importantly and ultimately that in everything that they do be for God's glory and praise. But the center of it all, the core issue of it all is love. Paul is telling the church in Philippi right now that in order for you to get back for where you first started, to get back to your first love, is that you must stop what you're doing and start loving each other. In verses 12 through 14, Paul is writing this letter, and I want, to, I want you to understand this. Paul is writing this letter from prison. He had longed to go to Rome, but not under these circumstances. See, Paul wanted to get back to Rome. He, 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 his, 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 his mission was, I got to get back to Rome, but, but now he's in Rome. But he's not in Rome the way he thought he was going to be in Rome. He's in Rome now in prison, in a dungeon. Paul's journey is one of hardships, riots, shipwrecks, and imprisonment. I'm going to say that again. Paul's journey 
is one of hardships, riots, shipwrecks, and imprisonment. Paul could have had an attitude of, oh, woe is me. Uh, you know, look at everything I've been through, and, and I'm still going through it. And, and, and I, all I'm thinking I want to do is, is concentrate on myself right now because, come on, Lord, help me, help me right now, Lord. You know, uh, but now that's not his attitude. Paul's attitude is just the opposite. God had a better plan for him, and Paul knew it. See, sometimes we get so focused and we're looking at our circumstances and, and we forget that, that God has a better plan for us. His circumstances had served to advance the gospel. I'm going to say that again. His circumstances served to advance the gospel. His circumstances was not one where he laid in it in self-pity. He used his circumstances to advance the gospel. Now, I know many of us, if we had hardships like Paul did, we probably would have all, wouldn't, wouldn't even get out to bed, had the covers on our head and, 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 and just, oh, I don't want to answer the door or nothing. But we have to understand that Paul knew that his life was in Jesus. He knew that his circumstances was not his life. The word advanced here is used to give an idea of moving forward in spite of obstacles. When I was a kid, I used to watch army movies all the time. And, 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 and uh, they would be right in the middle of the battle. And all of a sudden, the general would stand up and say, let's go. And everybody in the platoon, they would, they would start rushing forward and hollering and yelling. And they would be running right into the midst of the battle or running right into the firefight. Opposition cannot stop the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just because we're going through COVID-19 right now does not stop the advance of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Right now should be the time where we all come together and understand that I can't wait until the doors are open again so we can flood in there and give praises and worship and let God know how much we love him. The gospel. This is why I became a minister of Christ Jesus, because of the gospel. I want people to know the gospel. I want people to know and build a relationship with Christ Jesus through the gospel. Through his word. If we have his word, then and we, the Bible says, I've hidden thy word in thy heart that I may not sin against thee. In other words, what David is talking about is that I got the word. 
I can hold on in these tight circumstances. I got the word. Yes, yes, my, my son or my mother may be sick, but I got the word. I can hold on because I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is with me. Verse 13. Let me give you a picture of this. Paul is bound 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. They got a chain on him. 24 hours a day, he is bound to this Roman soldier. And they rotate shifts. There's no escape and no privacy. But Look what is taking place here. If you read the scripture, like I said, I'm just kind of walking through the scripture. But if you read the scripture in verse 13, look what he is saying. The guards are getting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is not sitting there with this chain on his foot and, and, and connected to the, to the guard and in this pity party. But yet, Paul is still proclaiming and explaining the word of God in his circumstances. The guards are getting saved. It's so funny when I read this in that context, is that the guards are getting the word of God and it's making a difference. did not allow his circumstances to stop the gospel. We as a church, we have to stop allowing our circumstances to, to, to let the gospel move forward. It's not about us. It's about that young woman or that young man who is hurting that we walked right by in Walmart admires that we're afraid to say something because we got a mask on our face but God has pricked your heart and said say something to that young man or, or say something to that woman or were you at work and, and, and somebody is having a bad day and instead of talking about them ask them do they want to pray don't allow our circumstances to stop the gospel from advancing. Verse 14, and Paul is saying some believers were afraid to tell others about Jesus. Why? When we think about it in this day and time, why are some believers afraid to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because a few, say that again, because a few have distorted the word of God. A few have distorted the word of God. And the world has people thinking that everybody is like the few. But the devil is a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell itself. The Bible says, let God be true. And every man a liar. 
When I present the gospel of Jesus Christ in the manner that he wants me to present it, the gospel will do the work. The word will do the work. All I have to do is sit up and present the gospel. Amen? That that was understandable. You know, we're talking back to Philippi because it was understandable due to the hostility towards the believers because of a few. To this morning, I pray I encourage you. I pray I encourage you to get back what you had. Get back that thing that, 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 that you came into Christ Jesus for. I, I ask you to look back of how it felt when you were, had that confidence and that boldness and you were able to walk up to people and proclaim the word of God. But when they saw Paul's example and encouraged and encouragement, they became bold to speak the word of God with courage and fearlessness. I'm saying that because somebody might be watching you and, and they're saying, well, you know, they've been in Christ longer than I have, and, and I, and, but, but I don't see them doing anything. I'm telling you to get back to your first love. Get back to when you had that courage and that fearlessness. And you were able to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ without nobody, without caring what, what nobody thought or anything. Paul's joy is not related to his circumstances. And I want to say this again. Paul's joy is not related to his circumstances. If we tie our joy to our circumstances, we lose joy when things go wrong. My joy is not Put up in my circumstances. I love the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, because I know what he's done for me. I already understand that I'm going to have persecution. I already understand that I'm going to go through stuff. Enduring, enduring joy comes through advancing the gospel. The question is, can we rejoice under the face of unfair criticism. Paul had his share of critics. People accused him and assaulted his reputation and questioned his character. Who were they? They were the same people he ministered to and encouraged. They were not idol worshipers or, or angry Jews or enemies of the church. These were pre people who preached the gospel. And this is why Paul is trying to get them back together. This was not a doctrinal problem, and it was not a personal problem. Listen to what I'm about to say. They were jealous and motivated by rivalry. This is a strong example of what shouldn't happen in the church today. But his ugly head does pop up. Now, with that being said, many believers were loving. They prayed for Paul and continued to preach the gospel out of love and understanding. Verse 15 through 17, Paul understood that, th that his imprisonment 
was not because of the Jews nor the Romans, but because of his defense of the gospel. I'm going to say that again. Because of his defense of the gospel. He was standing and fighting for his heavenly commander. I'm going to say that again. He was standing and fighting for his heavenly commander. This is what we have to do as a church. We have to get back to our first love. We have to get back to the point where we are standing and fighting for our heavenly commander. We must realize that he was not in prison because he was out of God's will. I am so tired of hearing about that. That this is happening to me because I'm out of God's will. I want you to stop for a second. And I want you to think. Jesus went to the cross, didn't he? Was he out of God's will? No. He went to the cross to elevate or to advance the gospel. He didn't let his, circum his circumstances was able to push the gospel forward. All Paul cared about was the gospel. And this was his passion. All we should care about as a church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if I care about and my passion is the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the buildings shall be filled with the church. I'm going to say that again. That the building shall be filled with the church. Because the church is you. This is what we have to get back to as a church family. The gospel. Paul was not in ministry to be accepted by people. Say that again. Paul was not in ministry to be accepted by people. He was not living for accolades. He was not looking for status. He lived to reach lost people with the gospel. This goes right back to why most of us, majority of us, became ministers of the gospel to proclaim Jesus Christ. Not some other agenda other than Jesus. I became a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I know what it felt like to be lost and left behind. And I did not want anybody else to have that feeling ever again. I'm about to close. But verse 18, Paul is making a strong statement. I will rejoice even in the face of an uncertain future. Paul knew his imprisonment could end in death anytime. But that did not lose his joy. He could care less what happened to him or what people said about him, whether he lived or died. All he wanted was Jesus Christ to be glorified in his life. Paul had confidence in the faithfulness of God's word. Circumstances are temporary. God is faithful in everything. Paul was confident in the prayers of God's people. Paul had a deep conviction that, that God works powerfully through prayers, through the prayers of his people. And this is the reason we need to ask people to pray for us. Have confidence in those prayers and believe they will make a difference. 
Paul was confident in the help of the Holy Spirit. He believed the Holy Spirit would give him the strength, grace, and hope and assurance he needed. I'm going to say that again. We have to be confident in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will give us strength, grace, and hope and assurance in whatever the circumstance is needed. Paul had confidence in God's plan and purpose. He is telling them to live or die, God will be glorified. This is how he dealt with an uncertain future, putting his present and his future in God's hands. God, Paul understood the purpose of his life in ministry was not to make money, not to settle into a comfortable existence, not to make a name for himself, our purpose is to serve Jesus and to bring people into the kingdom of God with love. To live in Christ. As I close, if you want answers, the answers you're looking for, come into the house. Come into the house. And allow Jesus to give you the answers that will change your life. You are not in these circumstances because you are out of God's will. I want to say that again. We're, we're not in these circumstances because we're out of God's will. Let us use these circumstances to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let Let's allow our hardships, let's allow these things to make a change in the world. This is what it's all about, coming into, these, coming into the sanctuary. This is what's all let, let Jesus Christ give you the answers. I'm just a minister of the gospel. As I study and, and, and show myself approved, and I stand here on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday night or do Sunday school, whatever God wants me to do, then, then as I study, I want you to also study. I want you to also know your word so you can get the answers you're looking for. God is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes the latter part is the hardest. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We have to learn how to love ourselves. And we need to allow God, we need to allow Jesus Christ to give us that love for the advancement of the gospel.